guys and come just maybe a minute or so just to settle down as well. Maybe you also want to come to an end and then I'm going to hand over to Kim. She's going to share a word with us. And I just, guys, yeah, please do like, um, like what Marley shared. It's just, you know, um, be actually fighters, like fight even to, to hold on to this word that God is sharing with us. That we don't just hear it and walk away unchanged. That we actually hear it and listen and do. I really believe that this is something that is applicable to every single one of us. Um, Kim shared very briefly what he's about to share, and I know that it's applicable to every single one of us here. Thank you, Steve, and good evening, everybody, and particularly the guys at home. It's so good to be back at Edgemute PM. And uh, I know there are about two communities here, and this congregation, I think, in total has eight communities. Yeah, Brett, around about eight. I see some of the admin and guys are, yeah, 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 it's eight. Well, let's continue this much for the guys at home. You are one, eight congregations of 354 in Joshua generation. So we have 354 communities, which means we have 354 leaders out there. But this is not only about the people in community, this is about every single individual who owns a home. And I'll get into that just after I just want to say to the worship team, well done. I think uh, it was very awesome. Gabby, uh, I think you need to step up and step out. I think uh, God's going to use you on Just Gen Life a lot more. So I've made a note. So Mervis will be in touch with you. So you'll become famous in 54 countries, and those amount of countries that watch Just Gen Live. Yeah, so let's just pray quickly. Father, today or tonight is all about you, Lord. We are here because of you and only you. We are privileged and honored that we can get together in this house to worship you, to hear your voice, and to praise you, Lord. Lord, wherever we are, in our homes, in this place, we lift our eyes to you and you alone. So Lord, do a work in our hearts. Lord, we want to glorify you. We want to be that light on the city hill that shines brightly for you. We never want to be put in a bucket and stuck underneath a bed, Lord. No, we want to shine Jesus to every single person. Lord, we acknowledge we cannot do this without you. We need your spirit. We need you. And all authority has been given to you, Jesus, and we know that you reside within us. So we have that same authority. And Lord, we want to be a people that are sent by you. Pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. So for the people at home, I'm going to take a sip of water. <laughs> Suddenly. So the title of tonight's preach is called Open House, if you're making notes, and I think everybody should take notes because it's about you, and it's not about the person next to you, it's the husband and wife, husband can take notes, or if he's not very good at admin, the wife can take notes, I see Belinda's grabbing the cell phone away from Steve, you're the wife. 
So who's good at admin? Let them take the notes. So the message for this congregation tonight is that the house is open. And the message of the, the gospel is also that the house is open. The homes are to be opened. And, you know, we often say, come as you are. Because our house is open, this church is open to any believer or any non-believer to come here and uh, to see what God's going to do them. So it's not about come here and fix yourself. No, God will use his Holy Spirit and the people that he surrounds you with to help you sort your life out. And uh, also help you to free yourself. Some of us come in bondage and held captive and God uses his Spirit and the people around you to set you free. And... Uh, all you have to do is come in your mess with all your baggage and all your mistakes and all the condemnation that's been spoken over you into this home so God can do a work in your heart as he's done in mine and he's done in many of yours. So the mission of the gospel is that we need to go out into the nations spreading the gospel of good news. And tonight we're going to talk how we're going to do this in our homes. Because a lot of us say, you know, we say the Great Commission that God is going to all the nations and baptize people into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You say, oh, but Lord, there's COVID. We can't leave our homes. Our homes are the first place where we start. And that's what tonight's all about. And we know tonight, unfortunately, Cyril Ramaphosa, our president, will be... Um, Saying another speech, if he found his iPad, I believe he lost it. It's stolen. She's broken. <laughs> and uh, the COVID situation in uh, Gauteng, up in Joburg, is bad. I believe uh, over 17,000 um, infections per day at the moment. Yeah, in the Western Cape, it's around about 1,500. So things are really looking bad in Gauteng. And that's going to impose further restrictions on us. So we can't expect that. I want you guys to go home here all gloomy and doomy because this should be an uplifting preach. But I'm anticipating, I really am, given what the president's going to say, maybe Gauteng's going to go into lockdown level five and we might be going up to lockdown level three, which will mean that we won't be able to meet. You know, we're currently down to 50 and beautiful people sitting at home or meeting in homes of 10 some 12, some 14, whatever it may be, excluding kids. But from tonight or from tomorrow, circumstances may change. And this preach is actually about that. Because the gospel starts in our homes. And it's about hospitality. And if we can't be hospitable to our people, to our neighbors, I know there's a lovely acronym that I like to use. It's called Frank, with a C, not a K, as per name. Frank is friends. R is relatives, A is acquaintances, N is neighbors, and C is coffee, <laughs> community. Okay, so read to community, not coffee. Well, you can have coffee as well. So my prayer for you as a church tonight is that we really listen, really grasp this message, really grasp what God is saying is that we're going to open a house. And uh, the scripture I'd like to read to you is, uh, if you got the message, have you got the message? Yeah. Okay, there it is. Uh, out of Matthew 5, 17, I don't often quote the message, but I think that uh, this describes 
the heart of this preach, uh, um, of this word so well. It says, one day, he's talking about Jesus, as he was teaching, Pharisees and religion teachers were sitting around. They had come from nearly every village in Galilee and Judea, even as far away as Jerusalem, to be there. The healing power of God was on him. I think you're using 5, 14, 16. Was that right? I missed the 16 part. I must have given you the wrong scripture. My apologies. So this is the scripture I want to read you. I'll find out what it was. Here's another way to put it. You are yet to be the light, bringing out God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this. I've obviously read the complete wrong scripture over there. Um, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So keep open house. That is what God wants us to do. So he wants us to look around and say it like this. Your friends are to become my friends. And when they are friends of mine and they invite them into my home, they're going to become friends of Jesus. So we can't be selfish about the gospel. We can't be selfish about Jesus. Now the gospel is good news and we want to share it with everybody. And sometimes the great difficulty is how do we get people to hear the gospel? And you say, come to church with me. And it's like, hang on, I'm not a church guy. I need, like I used to be, before I got saved, I only went to church for funerals and weddings. And even then I sat as far away as at the back so I could get out first, to be at the reception first or go home first. But so people are reluctant to come into church because there's a stigma associated with church. They think that, in church, we're going to try and brainwash you. We're going to try and do this. We're going to try and do that. It's cultish. You know, you're going to raise your hands. You're going to clap. And the Josh Jenners don't just do that. We called something else. We jump up and down. So we are known as the Jolly Jumpers. Jesus. So, so let's keep open house. Let's keep our houses open. And, you know, Jesus... He doesn't want us to become hermits. He doesn't want us to close the doors to our homes. I remember um, as a, a young guy, and this was before, who knows what the Rundepest is? Nobody. Okay, Rundepest was a disease that, as the fur trackers were coming over, over the mountains, a disease hit all their cattle, and all the cattle died. So I'm talking about the fur tracker days, years ago. So now I can remember, as a young boy, you know, and somebody used to knock on the door, ring the doorbell. The whole family used to run to the door. I want to be there. I want to, who's, who's coming to visit? You know, who is it? Is it Uncle Bob? Is it, you know, is it cousin so-and-so? Nowadays, if somebody knocks on the door, the lights go off and, you, and there's somebody at the door. It's probably a burglar. Somebody's come to attack us. Switch the lights off. Hide under the beds. Hide the toys away. And we don't want to open that door. But God doesn't want us to be like that anymore. He wants us to open our houses. And when you have this attitude of a hermit that says, Go away, world. I don't want to know you. 
Go away world, I just want to be in my holy bubble. Go away world of people around me. It's just me, myself, and God. He's saying, no, open your house. I need you to bring people into your homes. Because that is where true fellowship is going to start and happen. Let's look at Mark 2, verses 1 to 12. Now, this is the right scripture. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. That he had come home. Isn't that amazing? He had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So Jesus' house, the house that he was in, was full. You know, it's unlike ours sometimes. You know, we rattle in our homes. Some of, some of us have kids in the house and there's a lot of noise. But if you come into our home, it's just like Lorraine and I. And like, there's nobody in the rooms, you know, so, except in the dogs. And he preached to them. Some men came bringing, him, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the, the crowd, they made an opening. So now we start with opening, open house. They couldn't get in, but they made an opening to get in. And this is what we've got to do in our hearts. We've got to start saying, how do we open our houses to get people in? They made an opening for this man to be close to Jesus. They did this by breaking the roof above Jesus, by digging through it, and they lowered the mat that this paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, not the paralyzed man's faith. When they saw, when Jesus said, I saw your faith, each one of you sitting at each one of you sitting at home. When, they, when Jesus looks at you, he says, I see your faith. I see your faith. I don't see the sinner that you bring into us, your neighbor, that Frank guy, or whatever. He's seeing your faith. So, Lord, I've got the faith that if I bring somebody into my home, something's going to happen. And I'll tell you what's going to happen in a, in a while. So it goes on. He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that's possibly the most powerful word in the sermon when he looks at this person and he gives him immediate identity. He's been paralyzed for 40 odd years. And he looks at him and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And you think, you know, he's been paralyzed. Lying on a mat, begging. What kind of sins does he have? Sins of the heart. Sins of the mind. How could I be paralyzed? I mean, look at that woman. I would love, love to marry you and I want you know, to be intimate with her. I wish I could work. I could earn money. But nothing was geared towards glorifying God, even in his condition. So God looks at him and he says, son, identity, affirmation. Not sinner. He looks at him. He looks at you and I. He looks at the person that you're inviting in your house. And he says, son. And to me, that's so touching. When I came in as a wreck into this place, nobody said to me, you're adulterer. Son, my father in heaven, the highest of highest, there's nobody higher and better, stronger, and more awesome than God my Father. And he looks at me and he says to me in my brokenness, Kim, my son, 
And then they go on and he says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? They're talking about Jesus. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Remember what I said, Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. He says, all authority has been given to me. The same authority that Jesus has, Jesus lives inside you, you have as well. So if somebody comes to you and says, I repent of my sins, guess what? You've just been given the authority to say, yeah, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. I'm not going to hold a grudge against you. I'm not going to say, yeah, but you know, a leopard doesn't change its spots. I'm not going to look at you forever and ever and say, ah, that guy used to be an adulterer. He'll always be an adulterer. I used to be. I repented. I confessed my sins when I became a Christian. And guess what? I've been set free. The broken has been made whole. I often said, you know, in the book of Revelation, I think it's in chapter 2, Jesus says, each one of you will be given a new name and a white stone. And my name used to be unfaithful. But now I get given, when I get to heaven one day, a new stone that says faithful. Faithful. So Jesus said to the man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Didn't say go to church. Go home. Amazing. We must see these little things. Go home. What's so important about our home? We're going to open our homes. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everybody. And they praised God. Remember, they were anti. He's, a blas- he's blaspheming and everything. Suddenly, they, oh, they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. How would you like to know that somebody walks into your home and the people standing around there, and like Steve said earlier on, if there's visitors, welcome guys, we love you in the, in the house. And now suddenly you're going to turn around, you're going to see a miracle, something's going to happen, and you're going to go home and say, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. We watched rugby all day long and you, the guys lost again, but yes, somebody just got up and walked. Well, somebody's just been healed. We've just seen demons cast out of this person. Somebody's just been saved. We have never seen something like this. And all praise to God. In our confession as a congregation for this season that Brett's taking it into is, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. I love the way this church is going. I love the heart. I love the traction. I love the growth. And a lot of it is transferred growth. Transferred growth means that people are coming from the morning into the evening. And I told you guys, I think the last time I was here, that certain churches are closing, numbers are dwindling, and people are coming from other churches into here because there's life here and they can feel the presence of God. But that's not good enough. We need the lost, the lonely, and the brokenhearted to be reached. We need those people who don't know Jesus to be here. That's why we're here. I mean, we were all broken. We were all sinners. 
But for God's grace and God's mercy, somebody spoke to us. Somebody preached the gospel to us, and now we're here in church. We're sitting at home and say, yes, hallelujah, we love Jesus, we praise Him. But you see, we can't be selfish. We can't take this get out of hell card and stick it in our back pocket. It's not get out of jail, get out of hell. So I'm all right, I'm going to make it to heaven, but sorry about my neighbor. Sorry about my colleagues. That's what the C is for Frank, by the way. Colleagues. <laughs> not community. So, even when we're slacking off, even when we're facing restrictions, even when things seem to be getting tough, God is going to do something special in our homes. In your life, through your life, and when you stand back in this season that we're in at the moment, honestly, you're marching this. When you stand back, I've just been through COVID. It's tough for all of us. Isolated in your home, it's hard. You start inviting people into your home. We need to stand back afterwards and say, man, I've never seen anything like this. You know, I may have mentioned this last time. And we came out of COVID and our attendance, adult attendance, grew by 22%. Well, how's that? You know, we had over 764 people commit their lives to the Lord between July last year and, and um, uh, February this year. 764 first-time salvations. Man, we've never seen anything like this. You know, we should be jumping up and down, standing in our chairs, praising Jesus. I mean, seriously, do you know, when, when one person gives his life, Jesus, God gets up off his throne and the angels start singing and they're praising because this person has just been saved from a place of darkness into a place of light. Do you know what we do? Oh, Carl's just given his life to the Lord. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Tick. You see, the, the, the difference is, when Carl gives his life or any other person, we need to do this. Yes, Jesus! Yay! I'm so excited another person's been saved. I can't jump on the stage. I have to get up on the stairs now. I know I'm preaching from you. <laughs> you see, so if you go back to uh, the book of Mark, chapter 1, this is amazing. You'll go read the whole book of Mark. Don't worry, I didn't give you the scripture. But you'll see he goes from synagogue to synagogue to synagogue. And he preaches and he, and he heals people. And people gather from all over the show, from different cities, from different towns. And they want to hear Jesus preaching. And he does some healings, he does some miracles and everything. But then when you go to Mark chapter 2, you find that Jesus was at home. And he goes from synagogue to home, to home, to home, to home. Most of his ministry takes place in the homes. Now, we're not advocating that we're going to do home church. We're going to become a home church movement. But let me tell you this. This is something which God has impressed on my heart, is that with this act that we uh, need to sign, um, the church is under persecution. The people, the, the um, activists, don't want us to meet like this. And the church could be forced to go underground one of these days, maybe sooner rather than later. You know, we can't meet in schools anymore. The government has declared it illegal for us to meet in schools. And there's a number of our congregations, like Durbanville, 
and uh, others um, that can't meet in schools any longer. So they don't have a venue. So now they scattered all over the show trying to meet on a Sunday just to praise God. You know, and what do we do? The numbers start declining. People start disappearing because they can't fellowship. They can't get together. But Jesus started ministering in people's homes. And that is where we're going to find true fellowship. It's in Mark chapter 1 verse 29. It says this. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Jesus left the synagogue. So this is powerful, guys. Jesus left the synagogue. He left this building to go to somebody's home. See, a lot of people come to the church and expect to experience God here. And that's our heart as well. We don't want this just to be a meeting on a Sunday. We don't want to come here and just hear the announcements, the beautiful worship, and summer nine, you know, whatever goes on. We actually want to encounter the presence of God. You know, without the presence of God, it's just like a social meeting. So we're trusting that every time we come in here, the atmosphere is filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Right? That's what we desire. That's what we want. But we also want that in our homes. When somebody walks into your home, there's something different here. The residue of God is in this house. Because I spent time on my knees praying. We've been worshiping the whole day. We've been interceding. And we've been loving God in this place. Somebody walks into my home. It's like, whoo, bang, into a wall of love, mercy, and grace. And I haven't even greeted them yet. Because the presence of the Lord is there. So Jesus is not just found in religious institutions. Call this an institution if you want it. But it's, we don't. We call this a lounge and it's cool and we love this building. But I'd prefer many of us, when we start inviting our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors, our relatives into a home, that they experience what we sometimes experience when we come in here. So in Mark chapter 2, the ministry of the home suddenly begins. And the relations are developed at dinner parties, at weddings. That's where God turned water into wine. It didn't happen inside a church building. And uh, later on, he went and had lunch with a tax collector. The most despised Jew in the Bible was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And people despise him. He said, no, no, I'm going to go and have lunch at his home. He didn't go to a restaurant. He said, no, let's go to Zacchaeus' home. And it's amazing. So he's enjoying lunch with his friends and a miracle starts happening. You know, so people looking at this. How could he be having lunch with Zacchaeus? He's a tax collector. We hate him. He works for the Romans. He's been robbing us. And look at this. all those sinners are in there. They look at you. Look, Stephen Belinda sitting here. How could you invite that person into your home? I mean... Dave, do you know about that guy? He's a sinner. I mean, he's, he's, he's rubbish. He's an adulterer. He's a drug addict. He smokes and drinks. And was in your home. Jesus didn't worry about what people thought. He saw the, you know, the heart of the people. And then suddenly, a prostitute breaks into this meeting. Into Zacchaeus' home. And you can imagine, you've got all the Pharisees and all the hobnobs sitting there, as well as these other sinners sitting around or lying around because they, they had to 
eat on mats with a table that was about this high. And in walks this prostitute. And in the Jewish religion, I mean, you couldn't touch her. If you touched her, you, you got defiled. But in she walks in and she falls at Jesus' feet crying and sobbing. And with the tears that are flowing out of her eyes, she washes Jesus' feet. And she takes her hair and she starts drying the feet of Jesus. She's broken and she knows she's broken. But she also knows that she needs a savior. And Jesus realizes it. And suddenly, just like this in an instant, she's saved. Saved. And yet the Pharisees are sitting there with hardened hearts, looking at this and say, how dare she come into this person's home? But he's already in a sinner's home anyway. But judgment straight away. Judgment on Stephen Melinda who brought that individual into their home. You see, there's no place for people to run away from the gospel. God will find you in the streets, behind the edges, in the back rooms. It doesn't matter where you go, Jesus will find them. You will turn up. In churches like this, we often feel the presence of God here. I believe he's here tonight. But you can also find him in your home. Guys, we need to find the Lord's presence in our homes. Please don't wait to come on Sundays. To find, I'm talking to you guys at home as well, where you are. Don't wait for church. Don't wait for community on a Wednesday night, please. Let Jesus be found every day in your home as you pray. Lord, fill me. Let your spirit fall on me and in this house. That every person that comes in here, be it a Mr. Delivery, be it a guy from Take Lot, be it a handyman, Lord, let them feel. Your presence. That's why we're going to keep our houses open and not shut. You see, the season that we're going into is about open house. And the message which we preach in Edgemead, in our communities, is come to God's house. Come meet with Him. Come worship with Him. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to purify yourself. You can come just as you are. But our mission is that our house, our homes, will be open. So everybody that's got a home, a flat, or something that they're living in, a shelter, let it be open. Let's not close the door. Even as Ramaphosa speaks tonight, you know, I'm going to invite somebody into my home. Now this might be a bit of a fresh vision for some people, and you might... Uh, Think that people have to come to church to get saved. And we're saying, no, no. They don't have to come to church. They come to my home to get saved. So we don't want holy huddles. Okay? Just, I'm just going to invite all my Christians. You know, it's actually, I'm going to acknowledge it right now. I don't have many friends. <laughs> this is true. Don't laugh. I've, I have hundreds of church friends. Thousands, in fact. I love Josh's generation, what the devil stripped away from me in terms of my brothers and my sister. They don't want anything to do with me. I've been, what's the word, excommunicated from them, ostracized. They don't speak to me. Amazing, because I'm a Christian. But 
God has given me five and a half thousand brothers and sisters who I love dearly. I lay my life down for them. So that God wants hospitality. He wants us to start sharing meals. He wants people in your home. He wants you to start celebrating and doing things different to the way we used to do them. And um, even at, towards the end of Jesus' life, the Last Supper, it wasn't held in like the fanciest, the fancy hotels. It was held in somebody's home in the upper attic. They were laying there, breaking bread. And, but, but Jesus didn't come to the church and say, okay, well, the synagogue, I've got to go to the synagogue. This is going to be my last meal. I've got to make a statement. No, he went into an insignificant place, somebody's home. You don't even know the guy. Find that guy's house, we're going to go upstairs and we're going to have a meal there. And hospitality can change the world. Why? So if you look at the image of the Last Supper, and it's caught our attention as a church, and it's become who we are. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Let me just stop there for a moment and take a pause. You know, this piece of scripture was written just as the church, the Christians in this time were under persecution. And you know, if you were a Christian, um, you had to, if you wanted to go and buy something at a, mar- at a market, you had to declare that um, Nero was, or Herod was God. And you said, no, no, hang on. Herod is not my God. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. God is my God. Then they wouldn't do business with you. And so suddenly they started getting poor. Suddenly COVID's here. And COVID's now blocking me from worshiping God. But God is greater than COVID. But people are going to be, lose their jobs. People are going to become destitute. People are going to get lonely. People are going to get depressed. People are going to suffer from anxiety and definitely from fear. Our homes have got to be open because let's read on. They sold their property and possessions to, get everyone, to give anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Say that again. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. They didn't have to wait for Wednesday night community. They didn't have to wait for Sunday afternoon church. God added daily because there was hospitality in the homes. The guys were giving of themselves. They were paying and selling stuff so that the people who were lost, lonely and destitute, brokenhearted, filled with fear, anxiety, depression, whatever, come into my home so I can love you. You can feel the presence of God yeah. Because as I give, so I'll receive. So we don't wait for once a week, guys, please. Seven days a week. You know, it's touching. I really believe that this is a new wineskin that God's given us. That um, church has got to happen six days a week. 
in our homes. We've got to go back to meeting together, praying together, worshipping one night, praying the next night, fellowshipping the next night, hanging out, laying hands on each other, studying the word, sharing testimonies. And then on a Sunday, you get here, if we're still allowed to meet, it's an overflow of what God has done through the week. And then we stand here and we worship. Jesus, you're so good. There's an overflow, it's abundance. I can't help but express the joy, the excitement and everything that I saw God doing during the week in my home. How people's lives have been touched and influenced because of the Holy Spirit inside of me. As opposed to just coming here on Sunday. I wonder what happened to her. I wonder what happened to him. Anybody, anybody got a testimony to share? You know, Brett, I, I challenge him now. And I've spoken to him about this before. Every Sunday he should stand up here and say, who's got a testimony to share? And there should be about 20 people running to the front. Me, me, me. He says, no, I want three. Keep it short. Not what God did to you 24 years ago. When I got saved, it's 2003, I think. I don't want to tell you that story. I want to tell you what God did to me last week. You know, I was sitting in a restaurant and we were talking about Jesus and this guy's got throat cancer and his daughter came to me and asked if I could pray for him. I said, yes. But he didn't want me to pray for him in person. So I said, give me his name. And eventually she came back and says, no, no, he said, it's okay, I can pray for him. So I went out and I introduced myself. I said, I'm Kim. And he pulls his buff down and he's got one of those things. Uh, my name is Neville. And he puts it back up again. So Neville, pleased to meet you. So, so I said, I believe you want to pray for me. He shakes his head. I said, do you know Jesus? He goes like this, which means kind of. He says, if you don't know Jesus, it doesn't matter what I'm praying to you, it's not going to work. If you want me to pray a prayer, that's going to be effective. You need to accept Jesus Christ and your Lord and Savior. It's okay. So I lead him to the Lord. And then I pray for him. Now, whether he gets healed or not, that's up to God, not up to me. But it's now moved from a place of darkness into a place of light. These are the kind of testimonies that we should be hearing every Sunday. Just on God's goodness. I didn't have a job, I've got a job. I didn't have this and I got this. All praise to God. That's what happened last week. Not 10 years ago. That's stale manner. My fresh manner. Let's keep open house. So if you open the house, let me just tell you what it's going to look like. Give you a couple of points. Outsiders are going to become insiders. So you want outsiders to become insiders. Remember in Mark chapter 2, Jesus opened the house so that there was so much more room that the four friends could rip, and, uh, rip open the roof and lower their friend to Jesus. You see, when you invite a random group of people into your home, just as happened when the four friends lowered that paralyzed man in, something significant will happen. If your heart is right, you say, Lord, I'm going to invite a bunch of guys in here. I was telling you I didn't have any friends. And you laughed, eh? <laughs> I must qualify that. I don't have any friends who are non-Christians. That's bad, eh? I need to make friends with non-Christians. Lord, help me. 
I want to declare to you guys, more friends, worldly friends, Lord. So when you, when you invite a random group of people in, something supernatural will happen. And you know, people walk into your house. I don't know if you've ever felt it. You invite people into your home and they say, it's just amazing. You know, I came into this person's home. I don't really know him, this friend of a friend, but I was just so accepted. I didn't feel rejected. Guys included me in conversation. I knew what was going on. I remember when I was in Edge Mid Morning, we ran a, a thing called Hashtag 365. And I wasn't sure if God gave us 365 days in which we needed to do a disciple to people or we had to bring in 365 new souls. But the year before, we only had 24 salvations in the entire year. And that year when we ran this Hashtag 365, we had 97 first-time salvations, three times the amount that we had the previous year. But when we went back and we looked at how many people were in community, there were 47 of them. So what happened to the other 50? We went into the communities. So what happened? They were talking Christianese, and when the visitors arrived there, they were excluded. They sat there one week, two weeks, the third week they left. They weren't discipled, they weren't loved, they weren't embraced. Sitting at home, if there's a visitor there, your whole meeting changes, your whole community changes, and you focus on the visitor. God, tell me about your life. You're married, you've got kids. Have you met Jesus? Have you been baptized? Tell us your story, man. How did you meet your wife? Which school do your kids go to? Well, I mean, you know, you all interest just on this person, and that might take three weeks. Is you're building that bridge of relationship with that person. So we have to know that they are lost until they know Jesus. The second thing is, and it's very exciting, is when you meet randomly in your people's homes, when you keep an open house, is that this is when heaven touches earth. Heaven touches earth. I love what um, Luke Chapter 5, verse 17 in the New Living Translation says. Okay, let me read that. One day Jesus was teaching. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village at Galilee. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with them. That's That's the line that I wanted. The Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. The same healing power that strongly is with Jesus is with you. So the presence of the Lord is there when you're meeting as a community. In your home, that same presence. Now whether the person is healed from a disease or an illness or you know, leg growing longer, whatever it may be, the presence of the Lord is there. That's when heaven can touch earth. I can tell you of many miracles that have taken place in our home. In my own home, my own shoulder, where the ligaments were torn, they were healed. You guys were still part of Milneton when that happened. The same, the same problem that I had that God healed in my left shoulder, I bumped into Dawn Castleman, who used to be Andrew Selly's secretary. And she said, I'm going in for an operation tomorrow. I tore the ligaments on my arm. And we stood in the, in the street there after having 
Peter's going to lay hands on her and pray for her. And her arm was healed. She didn't have to go for the operation the next day. See, with the presence of the Lord, is the power of the Lord is there as well to heal. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we're looking for the supernatural. But the greatest healing is when the person commits their life to the Lord. Said, yes, Lord, I accept you as my Savior and my King. You know, when you lay hands on somebody to pray for somebody, it's not only you that's laying hands on somebody. It's the Holy Spirit in you that's also laying hands on. When you're giving a prophetic word, it's not just you giving a prophetic word. It's God using you through His Spirit. Don't believe you're doing it in your power. It's got nothing to do with you. It's God in you. And we get reluctant to pray for people. We get reluctant to lay hands on people. I know about COVID and all of that now. But in your homes, you can do it. Nobody's watching in your home. Keep your mask on. See, heaven touches earth in your home. And when you're at home, the presence of God is there. You, know, you can know that God is in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your children. How can I say this? Because God is in you. God is with you. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But yet we sit there. Dad, Dad, I'm, I've got a headache. Oh, just go to your mom and ask her for some panadas. First port of call should be, come here, my son. Lord, let's pray for my son who's got a headache now. Let's remove his headache in Jesus' name. Simple as that. What have you done? God, your power. Son, learn a lesson. You look to Jesus first. Author and the finisher of our faith. Come back to him in half an hour. Hour, how's your headache? Oh, Dad, I'm still suffering a headache. Like, I've got to pray again. Lord, please, take this headache away from my son. And I'll persist in prayer. And my last resort will give him a half a panada or whatever you're going to give him. Okay. He has a panada. But at least my first port of call is God in my home. The third thing is, Remember I said the outsiders become insiders. Heaven touches earth. And the third is a mess is turned into a miracle. A mess is turned into a miracle. I was in a mess. My life was a mess. And honestly I can say, standing in front of you in God, that God performed a miracle in my life. I shouldn't be here. I should be divorced. I should be an alcoholic. I should be all kinds of other things. God performed a miracle in my life, and he didn't look for the perfect to perform a miracle. He looked for people that are in a mess to perform miracles. And your house may be a mess as well. But in your house is in a mess, or people that come in who make a mess in your home, don't get upset about it, because that's when a miracle is going to happen. I remember we had community once in, in our house, and it was before we joined Josh in, and this 
It was a small community at that stage, but this one guy, a big Afrikaans guy, and he had two little boys. And we had these aluminium, silver, Venetian blinds in our lounge. And they thought it was a stepladder. And they climbed up these things. <laughs> a miracle happened because I didn't get cross. <laughs> Honestly. Can you imagine? God was standing there telling the people in his home or in that home that he was in. Guys, let me tell you, give you secrets of the heart directly from God. I'm Jesus. Listen, this is theology 101. Now, all this in the big ears. Next thing, there's a rumbling on the roof. Chip, chip, hammer, hammer, straw, dust. Everything comes in. There's a supernatural event taking place. Air conditioning, it's done, it's, you know, something happened in, in God, so I'm covered. It's an act of God, I'm covered. This, and here comes this guy, lower down in front of him. The house is in a mess. Jesus is standing underneath us. He's covered in cement and dust and stones and everything. He doesn't go, what's happening here? The mess is the last thing he's worried about. The thing he's worried about is that person laying there on the ground in front of him. And sometimes we worry that our homes are in such a mess or the people that we invite in our homes are in such a mess that we close our doors. I remember my mom would never open a house, you know, if the floors weren't polished. You know, the beds were made and the kids were outside playing, so when everybody walked inside, it was perfect. That's when God performed that miracle. Jesus performed it. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. It's absolutely amazing. We have to see through the mess and manage the disruption. It doesn't matter if somebody walks footprints into your home or over the carpet and everything. Look at the guy with the heart of Jesus. No, no, I'm not worried about my carpet. I know I've paid 20,000 rand for this Persian. But God, this person is worth more than 20,000 rand. The soul is worth more than that. Lord, turn this into that miracle. I don't want to see this person lost. You've brought, into my, you brought him into my home. The fourth point is, sons are born. Sons are born. And this is the most profound moment in the story. Jesus looks down at this man, the first thing that he does he looks at Wes and he says, son, son. doesn't look at him and say, disaster, cripple, sinner. He affirms him, son. And when I read that, I get emotional. You know, suddenly I'm a son of God most high. And this is what takes place in your home. And God looks at the person that's come in from outside. You've kept open a home. And, and, and the person gives their life to the Lord. Commits their life to the Lord. Suddenly, son. Some of you ladies might worry about this. Why is he called son? Have you ever asked yourselves that question? Why is it only son? You know why? Belinda shaking her head. See, in the Old Testament, 
the older son used to get the inheritance, two-thirds of the inheritance, and the other sons got the rest of the inheritance because the older son was the only person um, that could take care of the family. They were nominated to take care of the family. With Jesus, there was no differentiation. He took both sons and daughters to get an equal inheritance in the kingdom. So when you get into heaven as a lady, you get the same inheritance as Steve will, not a lesser. So we were all firstborns in Jesus Christ. So we will all receive an equal inheritance. So please, ladies, don't feel excluded when Jesus says, Son, it's like us being called a bride. <laughs> you know, Brett, Steve, Carl, myself, we struggle being called a bride. Coming in with our white flowing dress, rugby boots on. See, we don't need to bring people to church to bring people to Christ. Acts 2 says they were added daily, which means six days of the week. Six days of the week. We mentioned this early on. People can be brought into your home. Open us. Open us. When we shut our doors, you haven't got that opportunity, guys. We, will be son, we see sons born into the house. And you know, the fifth point is controversy is stirred. You know, I love this building. I love this church. I love being here. Because do you know why? When we sing, when we worship, when there's the presence of the Lord is here, neighbors get upset. We're controversial. This guy on the corner here is a staff sergeant in the Navy. He comes in here drunk, swearing at us because we're making a noise. These neighbors over here get upset. Those neighbors get upset. That neighbor over there gets upset. We're controversial. We don't want to blend in. You should, in your own home, say, you're going to make a noise. In lockdown level five, I used to put my hi-fi stereo system on full volume. Open all the windows and blare out amazing grace. And people in the flats behind me used to come out and say, are you singing? I said, I wish I could sing as well as that. Every morning, I'd put on a worship song. I don't want to be, I don't want to blend in. You see, the problem with every one of us that's sitting over here, we want to blend in. And you guys at home, you want to blend in. Jesus didn't ask you to blend in. He wants you to be that light on the hill. Be the light on the hill. Let your light shine brightly. The sixth point, I'm nearly, 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 nearly finished. I'm not one of those guys who I'm about to land and I've got 20 points after that. Eh? So when I say I'm nearly, nearly finished, you know I'm very close to finishing. When you open your house, your house has a story to tell. I remember, I know where I got saved, Durban North High School. And when we go back to Durban, we ride through Mshlanga, through Lelusha, we ride past Durban North High. That's where we got saved. And right past Stephen Belinda's house. Remember that evening we had a bride there. That's where we got saved. Brett, I know his house is always open. He's always having brides and people around to his home. I wonder how many people right past his house and say, that's the house where I got saved. How many people can say that about your home? 
And God touched me in that house. A miracle. I saw miracle. And people start talking about your home. You're not blending in with the community. You're actually shining God's light so brightly. You're different. We're all different. Remember, we're only sojourners. We're only traveling through this miserable place called earth with all its problems and complications. But we've got God, and we've been called to shine his light brightly. See, each one of us need to keep our doors open and allow people to come in so we can celebrate a milestone of godly success. At the end of the year, Brett would love to hear from each one of you. You know, I opened my home. I brought people in. So let's say your congregation at the moment is about 120 adults. And it's now June, going into July shortly, six months. Let's call it five months' time. If each one of you bring one person to the Lord, this congregation will be sitting at 240 people. You've got five months to find one person that doesn't know Jesus. Is that going to be difficult? One person. It's a challenge. I'm not challenging you, God is. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Go into the nations and make disciples of all people. Frank. Friends, relatives, aunts. I want each person that you bring into your home to be able to tell a story. Something that happened in your home. I met the Lord there. God done something, we did something significant. Now we, we were just worshiping. And suddenly this person fell down, slayed in the spirit, shaking and shivering, and prophetic words were flying. You know. I remember once we were doing community, we didn't have excellent worshippers like Gabby or Stephen Belinda in our home. So we had to put in CDs or DVDs. And we were playing this Hillsong DVD and the Holy Spirit broke out. But our community wasn't small. We had a rather large community. We had about 55 people in our community. And we were all slayed in the Spirit simultaneously. <laughs> we were all laying on top of one another. It looked like a, a messed up scrum. But God, you know, people didn't leave at 9 o'clock. People were still struggling out of a house after midnight, filled with the Spirit. You know, they'll still talk about it today. Can you remember that night? Can you remember when we put on the DVD, how we, how used, we used to do the funky chicken, you know, and rattle and roll all over the show? We've got to get back to that place. We've got to get back to the place, Lord, we're expectant. We're excited about what's going to happen in our home tonight. Lord, I don't want to have supper on my own. I'm, you know what? I'm, the Olympic Games are coming up. I'm excited about that. You know what? I'm going to have Olympic game parties in my home. My neighbors and friends and acquaintances and neighbors and colleagues are going to be invited into my house to come and watch an Olympic game. We're going to have a pizza and a burri roll bra, and they're going to watch with me. Their friends are going to become my friends, and they're going to become friends of Jesus. And then slowly, slowly, you start ruling them in. And say, listen, Wednesday nights, guess what we do? Now what, 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 more of this? Oh, it's better. And then on Wednesday night, you focus all your attention on them. And then slowly, you start saying, them, saying to them, you guys are different. Yes, we're very different. 
we know Jesus. Let me tell you my story. Can I Bible bash the person? You start off by sharing your testimony. It's through your testimony that people will be known. So, you know, one day I was this guy cruising around. I was rough, tough, and I thought it was everything but God. And now I'm living in the light. When I say I'm living in the light, this is what it means. I don't... I live a life with joy. I'm not concerned about COVID. I'm not concerned about the economy. I'm not concerned what's going to happen in this world. But how can you, how can you say that? Everybody's panicking. Everybody's emigrating. I have Jesus. That's all I need. And you look around, this person's going to say, really? I remember witnessing to my managing director from Calvin Klein. We, he came down to South Africa and we were sitting in a, a very liney restaurant. He had a whiskey. My wife and I had uh, glasses of water. And other guys had beers, whatever the case is. And he says, well, we off to a good start in South Africa. Cheers, everybody. And he cheers like that. And Lorena, I pick up our glasses of water and he pulls his glass away and he says, no, 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 no. That's unlucky. So what do you mean that's unlucky? You can't take cheers if it's not alcoholic. It needs to be alcoholic. So it's okay, well, we're not going to do the cheers thing. So the next day he says in the car, he says, now tell me, are you all religious or something? Yes, I said, I'm not religious, I'm a reborn Christian. He says, what does that mean? So we spoke for two hours at a sushi bar about Jesus. So he says, what do I have to do? I said, all you have to do is repent and commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, is that all? I said, that's all. He says, it can't be that easy. I said, it's that easy. He didn't give his life to the Lord until much later. Just about a year later, he walked out of his office in New York, and there was one of those end-day guys. And the date was like two days' time. The world's going to end in two days' time. And we all had a meeting in Spain, and he arrives, and he calls me, Kim, Kim. He says, is the world really going to end? I said, I don't know, dude, Jesus says he doesn't, he won't reveal it to us until it actually happens. He says, please, pray for me, I need to give my life to the Lord. Okay. End with this. Most miracles ended like this with Jesus. The paralyzed man now standing in front of him, he said to him, go home. He didn't say go to the synagogue. He said, go home. Revival isn't going to spread from church to church. It's going to spread from home to home. That's where revival is going to come from. Guys, if you take this message seriously, I'm talking to you guys at home. Take this message seriously. So like my home is going to be a place where people are going to meet the person of Jesus. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to fast for this. I'm going to believe in this. I'm going to trust this. Lord, use my home as a place where I can meet, where people can meet you. Amen? Thank you, Brett. So I want you all to go home after Brett's spoken to you and open the doors. Unlock the locks. Don't worry about the burglars, the hijackers and carjackers and is that a, a drink no no can i use your mic yeah of course you can i've had covid okay 
It's good. I'm just going to borrow this from the um, pantry. We'll give it back. Because, so babes, if you're watching, we need canola oil, please. Um, we're going to pray for you, Wayne. We're going to just, the Bible says, anoint with oil. So maybe if you guys can get ready. Back at home, too. We're going to give you a few things quickly. Uh, three things specifically. We want to pray for home. So if, even if you're here and you're going, man, I want my home to be that thing. Um, if you're sitting at home going, yes, I want my home to be that thing. Yeah, this is a word in season.